0: We want to welcome everybody who's near and far, and we're continuing today in our Kingdom Changers series. And the whole purpose of this series is to inspire you and to challenge you and to show you that God has taken the most normal, the most unremarkable, the most insignificant people, and he has used them to do the most remarkable, significant things. Because if we're not careful, we will miss that. Because I think either intentionally or unintentionally, we've been kind of programmed to think through our lives as we read the Bible, that God only uses special people with special callings and special gifts that have this kind of special connection and line to God. And that is simply not true, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, these men and women that we look at, they could have used excuse, excuse after excuse after excuse as they navigated the obstacles that were before them to the great things they did for God. God. So let me just say this morning something that I hope lands in your brain. If there's a phrase that you leave with today, if there's something that you're thinking about tonight, as you recall this morning's sermon, I hope it's this, and that's this phrase. It is possible to be a Christian and to get to the end of your life and realize you've wasted your life. It is possible to be a Christian and to get to the very end of your life and realize you have wasted your life. Listen, friends, that's not only possible, it is very probable unless you get rid of your excuses. And I don't want that for you, and I hope that you don't want to, that for yourself, but to get to the end of your life and realize you've wasted so much of what God wanted to do in and through you. Because here's the truth. The goal of the Christian life is not saved. That's not the goal. The goal is significance. That God has done something in me so that now God can do something through me. If the goal was simply saved, you and I would have been whooshed right up to heaven right after we got out of the baptistry. But that's not the goal, that God has left you and I here for specific, significant reasons in this world. And here's what I know about a lot of us here today. Most of us, the vast majority of us, have checked off the saved box. There's a lot of us here today, though, that the significance box is still unchecked. And here's why. Because the gap between saved and significance is a canyon filled with excuses. And excuses are a tool that so many people unknowingly use to build a life of insignificance. So today we're going to look at a guy who used a lot of excuses. He almost talked himself out of being one of the greats that we read about in Scripture. But God would not let him off the hook. His name is Moses. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2 starting in verse 23 to see how the story begins and how Moses gets involved in God's plan. It says here, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So the Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years, and finally they say, God, enough is enough. Would you please deliver us from this? And God hears them, and God is going to use a very unlikely source to deliver them. He's going to use a man named Moses. Moses is going to be key, instrumental, and leading over a million people out of slavery into freedom. But before you get to the fanfare of Moses' life, you've got to look at the backstory. Because here's what we know about Moses when God calls him. He's a fugitive. He's a felon, a criminal, a murderer. He escaped Egypt at the age of 40... And now at the age of 80 is when he comes into play as being a significant player for God. And you know what Moses is doing when God calls him? He's a shepherd. Just leading sheep around. Not much in the form of leadership, just when you're leading sheep around, making sure they don't get caught in thickets and keeping them safe from the predators. Predators. But one day Moses is walking around a mountain and he sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And he says, that's strange. So he goes to investigate it. And I always like to think of what it was like when Moses went back to the shepherd's lounge that night. As the rest of the shepherds say, Moses, anything happened to you today? Well, yeah. God talked to me through a burning bush. Yeah, sure he did, Moses. Sounds like you've been burning some bush, right? That's what it sounds like. But God speaks through Moses through this burning bush. And I want you to listen to what he says here in Exodus 3, 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So I'm sure when Moses hears God say that, he's stoked. He's thinking, all right, God's finally going to do something. God is on the scene, problem solved, yay, God. And here's the curveball that God throws Moses, Exodus 3.10. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I'm sure Moses say, wait, 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 God, you just said you were going to do something that you were coming, that you were going to deliver. What's this you-go business, God? I want you to write something down. Write it down this morning. Put it in your phone. Write it on paper. Write this down. Here's what I want you to write down. Listen. You are God's answer. Don't put you are God's answer. Put I am God's answer. You very ambiguous. You is them. You is not me. So put I am God's answer. What I'm telling you is this God was going to touch the world and God was going to change the world through who? Moses. It's the same thing today, folks. There are going to be times when God needs you to lead, you to pray, you to speak, to be God's man or woman for that designated point in time. You are God's answer. I'm God's answer. And here's what's going to happen. For the next couple of chapters, Moses is just going to lob back to God four different excuses about why, God, you've got the wrong man for the job. Here's what I want you to notice. Sometimes great leaders are reluctant. They're timid. They're not these kind of of spur-of-the-moment, split-decision kind of thinkers, right? I want you to remember this as well. Your reluctance does not scare God, because He sees in you things that oftentimes you do not see in yourself. Listen, to what Moses says, Exodus three eleven. But Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt?" And God said, "Listen, here's key. I will be with you." Here's excuse number one. It's an identity problem. Who am I? I'm nobody special. I don't have a certain set of skills. God, I'm just this old 80-year-old man who leads sheep around every day. There's nothing significant in me that qualifies me for this task that that you have for me, God. But here's what God is saying. Moses, it's not about you. It's about me and what I'm going to do through you. And that's why God tells Moses, I will be with you. And you can trust that, friends. There's been points and times in my life when I knew I needed to say something. I needed to, I needed to be bold. I needed to be daring. I needed to take a risk. And God gave me the words. He gave me the spirit. He gave me the right, whatever you want to call it, to be the man for the moment. And he promises he will do the same thing for you. And listen, we have that same thing reiterated by Jesus Right before he gets ascended back to heaven, Jesus gets these 12 ordinary guys, fishermen, tax collectors, and he has a little pep talk with them. He says, listen, I'm going, and you're going to stay, but here's what I need you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am what? Huh? I am with you always. Always. You're not doing this in your own power. You're not doing it in your own strength. I'm going to be there speaking through you, leading you, guiding you through this whole process. Because it's my mission, it's my goal, it's my objective. I just need people to do it. And I'll be the power behind it. And instead of saying back to God, oh God, this is going to be awesome. You and me together, we're going to be an unbeatable team. I'm going to go in the authority of God. (laughs) You know what Moses does? He gives excuse number two. Okay, excuse number one didn't work. God got me there. Here's excuse number two. It's insecurity. Insecurity. I'm not qualified, God. Okay, God, so you want me to go tell them something. What do you want me to say to them? Because here's what I guarantee, God, I'm going to say something, and they're going to come back with 100 questions, and I'm not going to have 100 answers. It's insecurity. And we use this a lot. I would suspect that those who are still sitting on the sidelines today, those who aren't serving Jesus, those who aren't sharing Jesus, the reason you're not is because you're worried about looking incompetent. You're worried that, oh, I don't know my Bible good enough and it's going to reflect on me. Listen to me, friends. It's a sad moment when any human being lets their insecurities keep them from being used by God. So for everyone who doesn't feel qualified to be part of God's story that he's writing, for everybody here today who feels like, it's too late, I had my opportunity and I blew it, for everybody who feels like you don't have the resources, you don't have the skill set, you don't have the personality, you don't have the talents, you don't have the abilities, let me just tell you what, those are the kind of people that God uses over and over again in our day and time when god wanted to build the largest prison ministry that america has ever seen you know who he used an ex-con a felon named chuck colson and even though he's been dead for a few years now that ministry is still going strong and thriving When God wants to teach humanity about a kind of joy that is unspeakable and can come from within, do you know who he used to teach that lesson to the American public and to the world? A quadriplegic named Johnny Erickson Tata who can't walk, tie her shoes, brush her teeth, who's completely dependent upon other people. Yet she has a kind of joy that whole people, healthy people, yearn for. When God wants to teach the world about mercy and grace and forgiveness and and second chances and new beginnings, do you know who He uses? A Major League Baseball player named Josh Hamilton who was once a strung out drug addict. Why? Because He can. He doesn't use the healthy, the wealthy, the whole. The perfect. He uses the weak vessels so in the end he gets the glory because of it. Amen? Because with those four words, I just described every single person in this church. Not everybody in here is healthy. Not everybody in here is wealthy. Certainly none of us are perfect and very few of us are whole. So that means you're qualified. I'm qualified to be used by God because of that, because of the things that disqualify us. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses in response to his insecurities, God says, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Is that big enough for you, Moses? Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Moses. Okay, that's what you are going with. You are going with that authority. And again, Instead of inspiring faith, instead of inspiring confidence, Moses now just notches down to excuse number three that he whips out of his pocket, and that's the excuse of influence. What if nobody listens to me? What if they don't believe me? Because I don't have real good influence with people. You know, the more I read the story of Moses... The more I realize it should not have been Charlton Heston who portrayed him. Charlton Heston with the chiseled features, the strong personality, the commanding voice, the beard flowing in the wind. It should not have been Charlton Heston. It should have been Pee Wee Herman. Because that's really how Moses comes off. He's much more like Pee Wee Herman than he is Charlton Heston, okay? But here's what Moses is saying in a nutshell God, I've got a checkered past, (coughs) I've got failures. There was a bounty in my, for my head 40 years ago in Egypt, and I'm still sure that when people hear the name of Moses, it's synonymous with murder. So how in the world can I go back to Egypt with any credibility at all and say, thus saith the Lord? Moses isn't the first one to use that excuse. As a pastor, I've heard people time and time again Say to me, Pastor, God couldn't use someone like me because you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done. And you don't know what I've done. And you know who else doesn't know what you've done? God. You say, well, he's God, he knows everything, he knows every single detail of my life, every time i failed, every time i faltered. But do you remember the hope of the New Testament? Under the blood of Christ, Paul says, the old is gone and you are a new creation. Just like we sang this morning in, in that second song so perfectly. I'm a child of yours. You've made me holy. You've made me just like you, God. I want you to listen what God says about your sins in Isaiah 43:25. I Even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remember your sins no more. And some of you have let your past dictate your present and diminish your future. Would you stop it, please? I don't remember the Great Commission coming with any caveats or conditions. Go, therefore, and make disciples if you're perfect, if you've got it all together, if you have every single talent and ability that you need to have. That's never in there. It's just go. And I'll speak through you. I'll guide you. I'll lead you. So you want to to talk about sins this morning? I think a more grievous sin than anything any of us has ever done in the past is using that same sin as a crutch for what God wants us to do in the present. That is what is sinful. Because in doing that, we deny the grace that has been afforded us. We deny, we empty of its power, the blood of Christ. That is a sin. And this is a great segue into excuse number four. Inadequacy. Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here's what inadequacy means. I don't feel confident and I don't feel good about blank. And we've all got our blanks. And when God nudges us or kind of pushes us or leans us into a certain direction, we're going to have our blanks where we say something like, you know what, I'm not good at speaking. I don't know my Bible well enough. I don't have the time. Kids make me nervous. I don't have a babysitter. Or I don't know what my husband's going to think about this. And true to form, God tells Moses what he told him every single time. Listen to what he says. Now go. Go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. I'm going to be with you. Listen to me. Those of you who are on the sidelines, those of you who are waiting until you've got it all together, until you get in the game and do something significant with your life, if you're waiting until you've got it all together, the circumstances are perfect, until you feel confident about yourself, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because there has never been any role of significance or seriousness in my life that I've ever taken on feeling confident that I could do what I'm called to do. The very first sermon I preached, I stuttered and I stammered and cried most of the way through it but I did not let that get in my way. When I got married over 25 years ago, I had no idea what it meant to be a good husband. I knew I loved Alicia. I knew I wanted to be with her the rest of my life. And God, through his grace, through her, is still showing me day by day what it means to be a good husband. I didn't have it all figured out. When I was doing children's ministry, do you know what my number one prayer was? god please don't let me screw up these kids that was the prayer when i became a father how many of you parents felt completely comfortable and confident and assured when you left the hospital with that little bundle no way because you realize something i'm a sinner my wife's a sinner and he's put us in charge of a little sinnerling, right? How's this all going to work out in the end? I didn't feel confident of my capabilities of being a dad. Listen, friends, here's what I'm trying to tell you. None of us is born hardwired to do God's bidding in this world. Because over and over and over and over, you and know what I see in Scripture? I don't see God calling the equipped. I see God equipping the called. Because that way it's more about him and him receiving the glory than any kind of individual. So let me ask you, when are you going to get rid of your excuses? I love you all, but to be completely frank with you, Some of you who were sitting on the sidelines 10 years ago are still sitting on the sidelines today. You're saved, but have you done anything significant for the kingdom of God? It's time to get in the game. So here's what happens at one point during all these excuses, which looks like humility on the surface, does it not? Oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. Oh, Lord, I can't. Oh, Lord, not me. Me, humble, timid little Moses. No, it's not humility. You know what it is? It's pride. Because what's the key word that Moses keeps using over and over and over and over in his excuses? What's the word? I, this. I, that. I can't. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I'm it's all I. That's pride. That's not humility. God isn't impressed with Moses' answers. In fact, Scripture says His anger burned towards Moses because Moses wasn't seeing God in the equation. So here's what Moses. Here's what God does to Moses. He says, "Moses, what do you have in your hand?" Moses says, "Well." I'm a shepherd lord, all of us shepherds carry around a staff, you know, to kind of lead our sheep, and we just use this staff to kind of walk with, and it's just a simple tool. And that's a great question. What is that in your hand? Let me ask you, if God were to ask you, what is that in your hand that you have that seems very insignificant? What what ability? What kind of resources? What kind of skill set, talent? What what, what kind of influence do you have in your hands that that you have, whether whether big or small? What is in your hand? And here's what God tells Moses to do. I want you to take what you have in your hand. Remember what he tells you to do with it? What do you tell him to do? Throw it on the ground. Release it to the earth. And as soon as Moses releases it, and as soon as it hits the ground, what does that shepherd's staff turn into? A snake, a serpent. We say, is God trying to scare Moses to go into Egypt? No. See, back in that day and time, a serpent was a symbol of of power. So here's the message to Moses. You take whatever it is you have, as simple as a shepherd's staff, whatever it is you have in your hands, and you release it to me, you turn it over to me, there is power in that. And I can do something with that. Listen, friends. No matter what your excuse is this morning, No matter if it's your identity, your insecurity, your influence, your inadequacy, whatever it is. Listen to me. When God saved you, he put his spirit in you. Which means his spirit will empower you and his spirit will speak for you. Amen? And I think it's more of a matter of us believing what God actually did when he saved us more than anything Because if we believed that, we just wouldn't be saved. We would be doing significant things. So here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. With God, your excuses, my excuses are worthless. Because if God is in you, you have no excuse. And I have no excuse. So, I tell you this morning, this message, I bring this to you because I care for you. The worst thing for any of us I can see is getting to the end of our life and realizing, yeah, I was saved, but I did nothing significant with my life for God. I never made an investment. I never helped shape a mind. I never helped turn somebody in a different direction. I never used the resources that God entrusted with me in a way that was significant and would impact lives forever. I never used the influence I had for uh, kingdom-shaping kind of ways. I never did that. So this morning, if you're done with the excuses, if you're done with that mental battle of letting the enemy win day in and day out, telling you you're not good enough, smart enough, slick enough, you're too old, you're too young, whatever, you're too sinful... And you're ready to trust God to do something significant through you. And you're ready to believe in that. And you're ready to say no more excuses. Here's what I just simply want you to do. Either today or sometime this week. I want you to text the words. No excuses. Just one word. No space. No excuses. I want you to text that to 260 215 and someone from the church will be in touch with you. And that's simply to start the conversation. And the conversation is going to start with this What's in your hands? What do you have, big or small? Maybe what's in your hands is just a willingness. And God can most definitely work with that, friends. This is just to start the conversation. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. Stop coming and just sitting, soaking, and, soak and, and souring, and, and do something significant. All right? Now, we want to have a conversation with you. But before we do that, we got to have a conversation with Him who enables us. So, why don't you pray with me? Father, we come to you. Because we realize that in you, Lord, anything is possible. The two most significant men in Scripture, Moses of the Old Testament and Paul of the New Testament, both of them were murderers. And yet you used them to change and the shape the world in which they lived, and you changed the course of human history through these men. And Lord, I don't think any of us here today have that on our resume. Murderers. You don't care what's on our resume because you use the weak and the imperfect and the flawed to do the amazing. So God, would you please get us off the sidelines and get us into the game where we're difference makers. Lord, we make this petition to you on behalf of the Holy Spirit who's in us who we oftentimes grieve because we sit and we don't do. We stay and we don't go. We hold back instead of releasing. So may that question haunt us this morning, Lord. I pray that tonight it'll keep some people in here from sleeping and as soon as they wake up, I pray it's the one thought on their mind that it is possible for them to be a Christian and yet get to the end of their life realizing they've wasted their life. If you used Moses at 80, Lord, none of us have any excuse. Burn that on our hearts, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.